is the Mulberry Lane Show. The Mulberry Lane Show. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities. Your weekend getaway. Now, here's Mulberry Lane, Rachel, Bo, and Ellie Cat. Be a part of the family. Hey, it's Allie here with your radio sisters, Rachel and Bo. And guess what, guys? It's time for another episode of the Mulberry Lane Show. It's Father's Day style today. That's right. Happy Father's Day weekend. And if you're a dad, here's hoping that you get to do everything you want to do this weekend and none of what you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And for you moms, I don't know about you, but my husband actually had a nap on Mother's Day. So I'm planning on getting a nap this weekend. And if you were in a similar situation, I hope you get a nap too. <laughs> Go Allie. Take it, ladies. All right, sisters, let's get to those guests. Let's do it. The Mulberry Lane Show's on Celebrity story songs You're gonna have it going on When we tell you who's stopping by now Well up first today Country music star Frankie Ballard You know Frankie from this song Every time you kiss me It's like sunshine whiskey And the song How am I ever gonna get to be old and wise If I ain't young With three number one hits under his belt, you can catch Frankie Ballard June 29th at Stir Cove in Council Bluffs. And you're going to hear him in concert along with Aaron Lewis. And today, get the scoop on Frankie's latest album, El Rio, the recording of it, and the unique sound he has in country music today and how he's meshed all of his influences together. Frankie is one charming guy. Okay, Rachel, who's next? Oh, guys, you're going to love this one. Legendary funk master George Clinton is in the house. Chase the cat! You can catch him in Lincoln at the Bourbon Theater, and you're going to love this interview. From his husky voice to that mischievous laugh, you're going to have a great time with George today. You're going to realize this guy knows what he's talking about, about music, about life, and everything in between. Yes, and he shares a really unique opinion on how he knows a song is a hit. And this advice is so counterintuitive, but the more you think about it, the more it's really true. Stand by for that. Yeah, we learned a thing or two from the funk master. (laughs) Exactly. All right, Allie, who's next? Okay, well, we'll wrap it up today with a very special interview for this Father's Day weekend. You're going to meet Charles Berry Jr., the son of the iconic Chuck Berry. Go, go! Go, Johnny, go! And of course, the music world lost one of its greats when Chuck passed away in March of this year at the age of 90. Now, Chuck Berry was the first person to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and his musical fingerprints are all over the music map today. You'll get to know Chuck Berry not just as a musical genius, but also as a father through the eyes of his son on this Father's Day weekend. Yes, and Charles Berry Jr. also shares a special Father's Day message that we don't want you to miss. And check out Chuck Berry's final album, released right after his death in March, called Chuck. Chock full of what will be rock and roll classics. 
Oh yeah, this is one special interview, so we can't wait to meet you later in the hour for that. Okay guys, it's Father's Day weekend, and we gotta take a moment here to say Happy Father's Day to our dad. Now after raising four daughters who weren't the sporty or outdoorsy type, we gotta say we'll never forget those shopping trips with dad. Those were the best. I think there was a lot of singing in the car, and dad would add clapping. And there was always the, okay, you want that too? That's fine. (laughs) Until mom heard and she said, Frank, you spoil them too much. And we'll never forget those double scoops of ice cream on the way home from ballet lessons. Yep, we'd order a single and he'd say, make it a double. And that double wasn't baseball, it was ice cream. (laughs) Love you, Dad. And happy Father's Day. Well, we've got a triple scoop of awesome guests for you. Yep, with all the toppings. And we'll be right back with the country music star, Frankie Ballard. Right here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. It's the Father's Day edition today. You know it. Meet the celebrities on your radio station. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Thanks for keeping it here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. Well, he's an up-and-coming country star with a nod from Rolling Stone for having one of the 25 best country and Americana albums of 2016. Now, you can see what the fuss is all about when Frankie Ballard brings his brand of country rock and songs off that album called El Rio to Sturco June 29th. But first, hear all about his on-fire career right now. Frankie Ballard, here with you today, rocking country music his way. Yeah, man, that's the best, that's the best start of an interview I've ever had. Oh, awesome Yay. to hear. Well, it's great to have you with this, Frankie. Wow, it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to come back to Sir Cove. Yes. I've been in that neck of the woods a couple times. Okay, so now for people who have not seen you live performance, what can people expect from a Frankie Ballard show? Well, we're going to play all the songs you want to hear from my Sunshine and Whiskey album. We're going to play a majority of the new album, El Rio. Lots of guitar playing. And we're going to leave every drop of sweat on the stage. The band and I absolutely love to play live and put our toes over the front of the stage and bring the heat. So I can't wait. Well, I think the heat will be there for sure. (laughs) In more ways than one. So now your brand of country music is a little more rebel, a little more rock than a lot of stuff out there. So how did you originally develop your sound and and your sonic aesthetic? Well, when I was just a young little puppy dog growing up in Battle Creek, Michigan, my dad was really into all the 50s Memphis Sun Records stuff. Elvis, Johnny Cash, Carl Perkins. He turned me on to that stuff as a young boy, and I just fell in love. Good place to have your musical roots, really. Yeah, and so, you know, there's a lot of blues coming up from Mississippi and kind of the birthplace of rock and roll, but also a lot of country influence in that type of music. So, you know, that's my foundational Uh uh, place that I'm coming from. But, you know, as a guitar player and getting to grow up in an era where there was so much wonderful music, I discovered all kinds of different influences from British rock and roll to Texas blues to all the country of the 80s and 90s. I feel very blessed to have grown up in the time that I did because I had so much access. Yeah, now it's one thing, you know, to enjoy a lot of music and play a lot of different kinds, but it's a whole nother thing to develop your own unique sound. So, you know, was it through playing a lot of shows and gigs that you've developed, how you play and how you sing? How did that come about? 
to be honest with you, I think that's something that's still developing. Okay. Um, I'm always trying to refine what it is that I do and make my version of country music, my sound, a better, closer, more real, honest version of who I really am as an artist and what really turns me on. So I think that that's a journey that I'm going to be on forever. You know, I'm, I'm one of those guys who's never really satisfied. So I'm always trying to to make it a little bit sharper cheddar cheese. You know? <laughs> I like it. I, I read where Bob Seger and John Mellencamp are inspirations for you. Now, they were considered, you know, rock in their day. So now you are definitely in country. You know, music has changed a lot in how it's categorized. So how has that kind of shaped where you are now? Well, you know, as a young kid, I really attached myself to those artists because it felt like a Midwestern thing. Right. Uh, it felt like a heartland kind of thing where there there was story songs and the lyrics were very country oriented, you know. But they had these big grooves and guitar sounds and their vocals were scratchy and loud. And, and Tom Petty or Steve Miller, wow. uh, the Eagles, bands like that too, I feel like are also... Uh, Bruce Springsteen also you could put in that category mm-hmm. but you know they influenced me in a big way and, and kind of gave me the license to say well you know just because I'm not from the south uh, that doesn't mean that I can't have songs and sing songs and write songs that have this kind of lyric this kind of country lyric you know with a story right. behind it yes country music singer songwriter guitarist and all around cool dude Frankie Ballard here on the Mulberry Lean Show so then your first album, Sunshine and Whiskey, that produced three consecutive number one singles. So bringing that sound to country and kind of sticking to what you believe in and that sound, how did that feel to have those three consecutive number one hits? It's amazing. Yeah. You know, the power of country radio hit me right between the eyes. All of a sudden, <laughs> from coast to coast, I could go play a show and people are singing back the words to my song. Yeah. It was like a, this whole new world opened up. It's what you always dream of, you know? You always dream of being able to break through and have your music played on the radio. And so to get that feeling, uh, it felt like a dream was coming true, but it also felt like dreams that I hadn't even dreamt yet were coming true. So (laughs) I was just blown away. Yeah. Now, your current single is your version of Bob Seger's You'll Accompany Me. So laying that down in the studio, of course, you know, everyone's so familiar with the Bob Seger version. How did you approach it to put your stamp on it and make it your own? It was a very fragile thing because I respect and love Bob so much. And this was definitely a tribute to everything he's given me musically. Okay. Um, in that way, you don't really want to offend him. You don't want to take it someplace where it was never meant to go. Meant to right. go. Yeah. But at the same time, you're feeling like, well, I, I got to make it my own and I've got to put my stamp on it. So I changed a couple things. Like he said, uh, someday, lady, you'll accompany me. And for whatever reason, I always felt like that should be baby. So I said baby <laughs> instead of lady. Uh, definitely put some more electric guitar work into it moved a couple sections around so it's different in some ways but in in a lot of ways it's still paying tribute to his version and to the song in its original form that's a hard line to walk but you did it very well oh thank you very much so now your current album el rio now you recorded that at sonic ranch in texas so what do you think recording there did for the feel and sound of the album Well, first of all, it it allowed us to get really focused because we were on a mission. Living here in Nashville, it can be hard to record here in town for me because I get distracted and people are stopping by and 
You know, we, we were putting something on the line by going down to El Paso. That made us really focused. After yeah. the success of the first album, too, you know, you want to come back with something that continues it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think any artist is really influenced by their environment, you know. And I'm right on the border of the United States and Mexico. The Rio Grande River runs right behind the ranch. And so I could look over the river and, you know, walk around at night in the desert, which was just a very inspirational thing to do. But I was in a very thankful headspace, and I'll tell you why. Because I was on the border living the epitome of my dream, making this album that I wanted to make. On the other side of the border, there's a lot of people that are struggling to do that very thing, whatever that dream may be for them. So I just felt very thankful to be doing what I was doing, to be where I was at, and that influenced and affected the musical decisions we were making on the floor. Okay. That's very interesting. So you made it in the state of gratitude, really. Absolutely, which I think is a great place to make music from. Yeah. You're listening to country music singer-songwriter Frankie Ballard. Gotta take a quick break. When we come back, more with Frankie. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on The Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. There's been highs and lows, wrestling free with bumpy roads. Curse the devil, we prayed to heaven, lost it all and we rolled some sevens. Been more smiles and there's been tears. stories behind the songs back to the mulberry lane show now here's mulberry lane thanks for keeping it here on the mulberry lane show brought to you by braddock finnegan dermatology well if you just joined us you're in the middle of a chat with country music singer songwriter guitarist frankie ballard coming to sterco june 29th talking about his album el rio let's get back with frankie ballard right now now seeing you perform live i get the vibe that you're all about feeling those words and delivering the message of the words. It seems like you don't get caught up in like pitch or technicalities. So when you're singing, do you mostly just think of the words and the message? Yeah, that's a conscious effort for me too, you know, because I always try to think about that person who's never seen us play live and maybe they've never even heard this song. And I know that each time I play a song, no matter what the message is or whatever the lyric is, I know that I got to do it justice so that it can do its job and maybe land on that person the way it's supposed to inspire them or help them get through something they need to get through. Or It's hard when you play as much as we do because you can get into habits of playing things a certain way, but uh, I really try to tell myself before I walk on stage and before each song, you know, make sure you're doing the lyric justice and make sure you're going for it, you know. Technicality be damned. You just have to let it fly out there and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, well, I love that about you. You can tell, you know, because you do get that message across. Well, thank you. I, I try hard to do it. Sometimes it's a challenge, but the band and I are always working to do that better. Yep. Yeah. Now, your producer, Marshall Altman, worked with Mark Broussard. So you yeah. kind of specifically chose him because you appreciated Mark's music. So talk a little bit about working with Marshall and what he brings to the project. I was definitely uh, initially attracted to Marshall because of some of the work he had done, but I I really fell in love with working with him once we started to get our hands dirty. You know, he really lets me experiment and take time with things and tweak on things and change things. And having sort of that open 
relationship with a music producer is really important for me because I, I don't always stick the landing on the first try or sometimes I have to try something before I know it's a good idea or a bad idea. Okay. And you got to have somebody that's willing to fail with you uh, in order to find what's right. And we have a great working relationship. It's like building a house or anything else. You have to be around people that you know, you can look at them and they know what you're thinking. Mm -hmm. And the ideas and the visions, you know, they all line up. And Marshall's that guy for me. And, you know, sometimes you don't records. really recognize that or realize that until you are actually in the trenches. Because, you know, sometimes you think you might have that kind of relationship. But not until you're actually in it do you realize if it's going to work or not. You're absolutely right. And, you know, we've all been in those situations. But that's the magic of making music. You have to get it right, you know. You yeah. got to find who's right, and you have to work to try to be in the right place and with the right people. And that's definitely a challenge of of recording music for right. sure. Yeah. Now you recently got married. Yes, so ma'am. Congratulations. congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. I'm a very, very lucky man. I found my partner in life, and uh, you know, I'm a difficult guy to partner up with <laughs> because I have a lot of shortcomings and a lot of holes and gaps and missing links and thankfully uh, Chrissy fills all those and lifts me up and allows me to do what I do in the best possible way so I'm dangerous now I got like the strength of 10 men Aww. I love it <laughs> so now are you gonna start recording some love songs and <laughs> Well, you know, my life is definitely full of love, but it's still full of uh, a lot of challenge. And I think that the evil forces at work in this world that are always trying to bring you back down, they don't let up on you just because you found love. So I still have my fair share of, of challenges and difficult things to write about. And uh, the way I look at the world, I think, is a unique way. So I'm just going to try to be honest to all that stuff that's happening in my life when it comes time for the new project. Okay, That's the best that's way awesome. to do it. Well, you're listening to Rockin' Country hitmaker Frankie Ballard here on the Mulberry Lane Show. With your unique take on things, your unique writing, and your unique image, was there ever a point in Nashville, with the conformity of things, that you were told to go more in a bro country direction and be more of like one of the hat kind of guys? Were you ever told to do that? No, I'm so thankful to be in a relationship with Warner Brothers Records, and my team over there has always wanted me to be me from the moment they gave me the record deal to now and working on whatever's next. They just want me to be the best version of me, so I'm very lucky that I haven't felt those kind of pressures from them. Yeah, at the same time, any artist, I think, in the parlance of their times is faced with, well, I want to be a part of what's really popular right now, but I've learned that the best of me is only available when I'm being true and honest to who I am. So I'm just going to try to stick to that. That's awesome. That's good advice. Okay, now before we let you go, you played baseball for Western Michigan University. And of course, here in Omaha is the College World Series. So who are you rooting for? Well, my Broncos aren't there this year. You know, it's hard to say. But uh, I root for all the Michigan teams. You know, growing up in Michigan, you always had to choose. You know, is it Michigan? Is it Michigan State? So now, since I live in Nashville, I like to casually, from afar, just root for any Michigan teams. And uh, I'm not sure that any of them have made it this year, but I, I love college baseball, and I love watching anybody compete at that level. It gives me a lot of great memories, so I'm okay. just going to tune in and be a fan of the game. And be a okay, fan. That's good. Okay, so new project in the works? Absolutely. I've been writing feverishly. We've already 
started cutting some demos with the band, so okay. there'll be new music headed out to the world very soon. Okay, and you have a chair waiting here for you. Your next musical project, you got to come back and chat with us. Oh, you got it. After that wonderful musical intro, I'll be knocking down your door. <laughs> yeah, and we'll have a new, fresh one for you when you come back. So sweet. <laughs> okay, so Stir right. Pope, June 29th, Frankie Ballard, and you're on with Aaron Lewis. We're going to give you guys a great show, I promise. That's going to be great. We don't doubt it, Frankie. Take care, and we'll catch up with you down the road. Adios, muchacha. Okay. <laughs> Frankie Ballard here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Go download his new album, El Rio. We'll be right back with the king of funk himself, George Clinton. Keep hanging out with your radio sisters. Meet you right around the corner. Someday, baby, you'll accompany me Where the rivers meet the sound and sea You're high above me now, you're wide and free oh, Someday, baby, you'll accompany me Someday, baby, you'll Music, arts, and lifestyle. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Thanks for keeping it here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. He's one of the foremost innovators of funk music, a 1997 inductee into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and you can catch the legendary George Clinton at the Bourbon Theater in Lincoln this weekend, Saturday night. But first, hang out with the funk master himself, George Clinton. Funk master, here we go. George Clinton joins the show. Y'all sound good. <laughs> Thank you. Sound good. I'm glad to be here. Oh, right. great to have you with us. Okay, so now what can people expect from the show at the Bourbon? Oh, it's going to be a wild party. It's going to be a wild party and tell everybody they must bring two booties. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that's, it. That's you know, we're going to party all night on one of them. Okay, all right, I love it. Okay, now, George, you have such a body of work, so how do you decide what songs you do every night? Do you wing it? Do you feel out the crowd? How do you go about that? Pretty much feel out the crowd. I could look at and see who's in there. Okay. You know, where did they look like they got on the mothership at for years, and then I can figure out what they probably like. And I do pretty good like that. But we're a jam band, too, of the funk orchestra. We still have jam band tendencies. Okay. So what you like and make you like new stuff at the same time. <laughs> That's a superpower to be able to read an audience and read a crowd. You know, that takes many years of perfection. Oh, yeah, it's been a long time, you know, doing this in the late 50s on, so I can pretty much tell what they're about. I bet. So now, earlier in your career, you know, you wrote songs, you did a lot of arrangements for other artists. So how important was that in developing your ear and then your eventual sound? Well, it's really good to developing your ear and developing your sense of styles. Learn to appreciate all the different styles that surround so you don't get bogged down on what era you're in. You know, if you're a songwriter, you pretty much can see what they're doing and read what they're about. And you custom the songs to that era or time. Right. So having done the songwriting part in the days of Motown, which was probably some of the best songs world, you know. Yeah. Smokey Robinson, Holland Doja, Barry Gordy. Classics. And those were some songwriters. So not only that, I worked at the Brill Building in New York with Don Kirshner. Okay. Carol King. That's a whole nother era, you know, from the 50s. So you learn all those different 
style, you can appreciate all the different things that happen to music, and you can adjust when it's easy to like some of the artists that's around now. Okay. You know, Lil Wayne, the Drake's, and Kendrick mm-hmm. Lamar. You can appreciate everything that's going down. So you have always been a music appreciator. You appreciate all styles, and do you think that that openness allowed you to blend so many things together? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And using the songwriter's theme for doing that makes it easy to appreciate something that you wouldn't ordinarily like. Uh-huh. But after like the stuff that get on my nerves, it's probably gonna be the next shit. So that <laughs> I, I end up, I gravitate to those real quick. So I find something that gets on my nerves specifically. I know that must be the next thing. So I might as well give on into it and go ahead and like. And I've been pretty lucky with that theory. Well, what a way to keep an open mind, though, to embrace the stuff you don't like. <laughs> you know, when I realize that it actually going to help me in the long run, it's easy to appreciate something like, bitch, don't kill my vibe. You know, when I hear something like that, I'm like, wow, what? And then when I learn to like it, then I'm, here's Kendrick Lamar, who's got a lot more stuff. You know, just that first thought that got on my nerves. Right. Yeah. Okay. You know, I've never heard that theory before, but it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> you got him right here, the Funk Master, George Clinton, joining your weekend here on the Mulberry Lane Show. So when you were developing the early funk sound with Parliament and Funkadelic, when you and the guys got together, what was that like? What were the sessions like? Were you throwing out ideas? Well, in the early, early days, the beginning you know, you had arrangements. You wrote a song lyrically and a melody in your head or uh, vocally, and they wrote arrangements for that. They wrote the music for that. Okay. But later on in the late 60s, early 70s, when bands became the thing, you know, with the Rolling Stones, Beatles, and the Slide Stones, and all of that, bands became thing. You had to make up your own song and music at the same time. Okay. So you learned to do it both ways. If I come in there with a song written lyrically, I had a couple of musicians that could actually write the arrangements. Then had other ones who could actually do head sessions is what we basically did with Funkadelic. Okay. But now we do all of it because of hip hop. We actually learn to sample by ourselves. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sample songs that we put out years ago. So you sample your own stuff for the yeah. new stuff now. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So now when you were first developing kind of the P-Funk sound, were there naysayers? Were there people around you that would say, oh, that'll never go? Well, always with us, because I always push the limit to the absurd. Even though I, that was naturally great at first, I usually end up funking it up and make it uncommercial. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of that. And then every once in a while we realized, okay, we got to eat. So you take a song like One Nation on the Green, mm-hmm. and you don't mess it up. You just leave it like it is, sure that it was the commercial hit that it was. Okay. So now, do you know where the commercial line is? I got a pretty good feeling. It moves around. Like right now, it depends on your age. Some of my age can't get away with things that a little somebody else would do. Right. You know, you look pretty silly. Um, 76 years old, saying some of the things. So you, easy, and I still can be done. Uh-huh. I can do it in a jokingly way. Because right. I'm used to being, like I say, absurd. It won't be commercial that easy. Okay. But it'll be entertaining. It'll be entertaining. In the long run, it'll be more entertaining because it usually have more than one way of looking at it. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
You're listening to the Funk Master George Clinton here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Make sure you check out his show this weekend at the Bourbon Theater in Lincoln. Then you're going to get more with George Clinton next weekend on the Mulberry Lane Show because there's so much more to tell. Love this guy, and you're going to love the second half of this interview. Keep it right here with your Mulberry sisters. You'll be joining Charles Berry Jr., son of the late, great musical icon Chuck Berry, talking about the recent passing of his dad, his final album, Chuck, and a special Father's Day message you don't want to miss. Yeah, this is a story of famous dog. For the dog that chases this tail, we'll be busy. He's a clapping dog. Rhythmic dog, harmonic dog, house dog, street dog, dog for the world unite, dancing dogs. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, we lost a musical icon earlier this year when the father of rock and roll, Chuck Berry, passed away. And he was the very first inductee into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He received a Lifetime Achievement Grammy. And his song, Johnny Be Good, was named number seven on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. And those are just a few of his lifetime accolades. Now, joining your weekend today is Chuck Berry's son, Charles Berry Jr., to chat about the posthumous release of his father's final album, Chuck. Charles Berry Jr. with you and me, talking about Chuck and his legacy. That was great! <laughs> <laughs> that never happened. I loved it. Awesome! Great to have you with us. Thank you. Okay, now this album, Chuck, it had to be a labor of love. So what was it like recording with your dad, you know, throughout the years? I know it was worked on for a number of years. And then, you know, kind of knowing that the end was near. Well, you know, yeah, he worked on it for a very long time. He worked on it for 38 years. It started off in 1979 after the release of his last album, Rocket. So he works on it from 79 to 89. And Dad, you know, is in the midst of also uh, still touring, and he also had other business ventures. Okay. So he's cranking this stuff out. He's got quite a bit of uh, material that he's managed to put together. Oh, March, April of 1989, his recording studio burns to the ground. And it burns, all the tapes burn up, all the recording equipment burns up. It's just cinders out of oh. my parents' place they call Berry Park. Wow. So a couple years go by, 1991, he has his studio put back together. It's so hard to go back and redo everything. Yes, especially when, you know, you're having these creative spurts. Right, and, stuff and you just, capture it in the moment. Exactly. Well, you're the recording artist, so you know exactly the process. So, you know, he gets his recording studio put back together, and then he's going back, and he now has to recreate all that music. And Dad's popularity had really spiked during that time. So between that, touring, and the other stuff, it just took him another 20-some-odd years. And he did take his time. Sure. He really did take his time. And he probably uh, wanted it to be exactly the way he wanted it. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Precisely. So now the album, it does feature many people important to your dad and some musical giants as well. So talk a little bit about who's on the album. Okay. 
Uh, I appear on the album. I play rhythm, but I also do some solo work. Okay. Uh, my big sister, Ingrid, who's a incredible vocalist and incredible harmonica player, she appears. My son, Charles III, uh, we call him Charlie, you know, okay. Charles and Charlie. Okay. He's featured on two of the songs doing solo work. Awesome. And then there's three guys, great performers, Gary Clark Jr., Nathaniel okay. Ratliff, and Tom Morello. Gary opened for us back in 2006, and oh, I, I say us. He opened for my father. I was just a, I was just a mere side man, you know. But you were there. I was there, you know, like in Blazing Sands of Mongo, just pawn and key of life. But anyway, <laughs> so he opens for us back in 2006, and he was fabulous. Uh, I was watching him, you know, as he was doing his performance. My dad comes out and he says, "Yeah, that kid's good. In fact, he's really good." So years later, my dad, you know, he did 209 shows at this place called Blueberry Hill in St. Louis. Okay. He's going for it, he's going for it, and, you know, he started to let people sit in. Former band members, he opened it up a little bit more. So, like, Joe Perry, Errol Smith sat in with us. Wow. Earl Slick of David Bowie and John Lennon as a guitarist for them, he sat in. Yeah, yeah it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So, but when Dual Tone decided to ask, because, you know, my dad had creative control over this, do you okay. think it would be okay if maybe we got just a couple other artists just to come in and do something? And my dad and my mom, they both like, well, it's a Chuck Berry album. Why? But, you know, so they thought about it and said, okay, well, let's see. So we get Gary. I sent Gary a letter, okay. but Gary came in and did his stuff. Okay. Charles Berry Jr., son of the late great icon Chuck Berry, here on the Mulberry Lane Show, talking about his dad's final album, Chuck. So now, did the three generations, did you all play together on the yeah. album? Okay. So talk about what that was like, you know, looking to one side, seeing your dad, looking to the other side, seeing your son, all recording together. Now, is that Rachel or is that... That was Al? Rachel. Rachel, you are like the Three Stooges, you know. <laughs> there's this scene where Mo and his lady are standing, there's a pile on the ceiling, and he's trying to get away, and, and she says, young man, what's going on? And she says, lady, you must be psychic. <laughs> you must be psychic, because what you just described occurred to the T. Now, this was at a concert in St. Louis. My son sat in with us. It turned out he did an entire show with us. Okay. So, but there's a picture of myself, my dad, and my son. A couple of pictures, as a matter of fact, in Rolling Stone. And what you just described is exactly, exactly what this picture is. We're on stage. All three of us have our guitars. I'm in the middle. I look to my right. There's my dad. I look to my left. There's my son. Wow. So I know how proud my dad, because he even said, I'm very proud of you, man. I'm very proud that you joined the band. And now I understood what he said because we just did a show, the Jimmy Fallon show yes. the other day, and it was just myself and my son, and I was just beaming. Oh. So, but now, I mean, that extended to the record. He's on two of them with us. He's on Wonderful Woman and Lady Be Good. It's the four of us doing solo work. So Gary Clark is on uh, Wonderful Woman with us, and it's just madness. It's fantastic guitar stuff. Lots of fun. So now your dad was all about finishing this album and getting it out there. And so far, reviews have been glowing. So what do you think your dad would think? Mission accomplished. Okay. Yeah, you know, because that's what he wanted. He wanted to release something that people would like. And I maintained his Facebook page okay. uh -huh. for him. I would post something, whether it be just a picture or, you know, an article or whatever, get the feedback, and then I would just print, you know, what his Facebook followers said. 
Say, Dad, here's what they think. He's like, oh, that, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. Like what's, that. This, what's this called? Facebook? Okay. But, uh, you know, and it's really sad. It's a sad thing to know that I can't do that now. Right. You I know, bet. because yeah. when Big Boys was released back in the third week of March, like five days after my dad died, of course, I go to the Facebook page, and I'm looking at the, oh, this is great. So I'm seeing the feedback from the people. It's like, okay, I'm going to take mom and dad. To, oh, God, I can't. I can't. Oh, my God, I can't do it. Can't now, when your dad passed, you know, there was such an outpouring of love and admiration from not just the musical community, but the world community. So what was that like for you to really see the impact your dad had on the world? Well, you know, I knew that he was a big wheel when I was a little kid and I would see him on television. My mom would say, he's on. And that was the, that was the clarion call to say, run down to the room we called the music room because he was going to be on television. Okay. Even when he passed away and seeing all the condolences, you know, I saw a couple of things where in St. Louis where, you know, there were people young and old. They dedicated a statue to my dad, not too far from the venue that he played at mm-hmm. for years. And the ladies crying. And there was a young man and young lady from Japan came mm-hmm. from Tokyo. Wow. They had flown in. So these people spent thousands of dollars just to come and pay homage to my dad. It made me feel really sad. But it also made me feel good to know that the dedication to my dad's music that some had, that they were willing to, I just have to come and I had to touch his statue. Wow, wow, man. The impact he had. Yeah. So now I know we got to let you go, but this weekend is Father's Day. You recently lost your dad. You are a father. So what message do you have for Father's Day? Okay, here it is. I love my dad. I love my dad dearly. You know how I feel. If you loved your parents, if you were willing to do anything for them, you were always at their beck and call, then you know how I feel. Yes. And for the people that have lost their fathers, and you felt like I did, or I do, then we're in that club. It's the worst club to be in, and that's the club where you've lost one of your parents. Mm -hmm. But if you love them, then this Father's Day isn't going to be quite as horrible as it may seem and the fact that he's not there anymore because you have that memory that you love him. And I, I love, love my dad dearly. I love what you just said. Thank you. Beautiful. And thank you so much for joining the show, Charles. It's been an honor to help honor your dad's legacy. Well, thank you very much, ladies. Thank you. Deep down in Louisiana, close to New Orleans, way back up in the woods among the evergreens, there's still the law cabin made of earth and wood, where lived a country boy named Johnny B. Good. It's Charles Berry Jr. talking about his legendary dad, Chuck Berry. So cool to know that not only was Chuck Berry a musical genius, but he was also a really loving dad. It truly is, Rachel. And make sure you guys pick up Chuck Berry's last album, simply called Chuck, and get your rock and roll on. Hey, a great Father's Day gift as well. There you go. 
And we want to thank Charles Berry Jr. for joining the show, bringing the stories of your dad and, of course, the awesome music. Who else do we need to thank, Allie? Well, we got to thank country music star Frankie Ballard. Frankie, thanks for bringing your charm and your music to today's show. And you guys can check out Frankie June 29th at Stir Cove along with Aaron Lewis. Get your tickets now and also download Frankie's latest album, El Rio. Girls, who else? Okay, and finally, Funkadelic shout out to George Clinton. He is the master on so many levels, and you guys can have the rare treat to see him in concert in Lincoln at the Bourbon. So snap up those tickets. This guy will put on one heck of a show. And you can hear part two of our interview with George next weekend. And George, thanks for bringing your awesome musical prowess and funky spirit to the show today. And before we go, there's another concert we want you guys to know about. Country music singer Ray Scott is in Wahoo, Nebraska this weekend. He puts on an awesome show. He's a great dude as well. And he's going to be joining us right here next weekend. So check him out this weekend in Wahoo. No lack of music in the metro. That's for sure. And guys, remember to join us next weekend for your fill of all things music, arts, and lifestyle. That's right. And before we go, I want to leave you with a cute little Father's Day message. My little daughter, Clover, who we adopted from China last year... A lot of times when I'm driving around or just in the middle of my day, I'll get little song ideas and I'll record them on my phone. And she said yesterday, Mommy, I have a song idea that I want to record for Daddy. Oh, how cute. So here's her song idea. And this also speaks to what can happen to a child when they have a family and the love of a father. I love my daddy. I love my dad. I love my daddy. I love my dad. And she likes her daddy, too. She doesn't just love him. She likes him, in case you didn't get that message. Well, I think that's a perfect way to wrap up the Father's Day edition of the Mulberry Lane Show. See you guys next week. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, that's a wrap. Sunlight